0: You know what is adorable? My New Year's resolutions for 2020. (laughs) Last December, my beloved friend Jen Reedy and I went deep on a decade in review activity. Thank you, Marie Forleo, for the guidance on that one. And we took stock at the end of 2019 and we made big plans for 2020, as I'm guessing a lot of you did too. And then, you know, we all know what happens next. Everything fell apart. And yet here we are again at the edge of an ending year, peering hopefully around the corner to 2021. But this time, the phrase New Year's resolution seems hopelessly naive, quaint, a throwback to a simpler time, if you will. And I get it. We all got our asses handed to us this year. It gave new meaning to the old saying, want to make God laugh? Tell him your plans. I mean, 2020 carried so many of our expectations and big dreams on its shoulders. It was the dawning of a new decade. Not only that, it carried the full weight of a very challenging election year. It brought racial inequality to a head. It taught us about our own fragility in the face of a pandemic. It left some of us profoundly lonely and made others of us want to run away to a deserted island in search of peace and quiet. Me. It left some of us in deep depressions and others of us consumed by chronic and overwhelming anxiety. Some of us lost loved ones. Some of us ended marriages or left long-term relationships. Some of us lost jobs and are actively trying to stretch every dollar we have in the hopes that we survive long enough to find a new job. 2020 left a mark. We are tender leaving this year. But here's what I know. Resolutions and plans and dreams need to be built on the solid ground of introspection. And before we can dreamscape 2021, we need to tend to the wounds of 2020 first. We need to gather up the pieces of ourselves that were scattered to the four winds during this brutal year. And if there were ever a year that deserved next interview of sorts, it's 2020. But we've also come through a season of miracle and wonder, strange, terrible, wonderful things happened. And this episode is my attempt to share the three big questions driving my exit interview of 2020. As Michael Hutchins saying, my beloved lead singer of NXS, may he rest in peace, I want to make time stop for the two of us, just for a moment. So we can pause and take a deep breath before diving headlong into 2021. So are you ready? Here are my three prompts for closing out the year. One, and these work very well. If you're driving, you can hit pause and talk them out or you can write them in a journal, but these are the three ones. Okay, ready? One, what were the sweet memories of 2020? The moments of magic, grace, triumph. What do you hope you never ever forget from this year? We need to savor those moments because as we know, our brains are naturally wired to perseverate and focus on the negative and neglect the positive. So first off, what are the sweet memories of 2020? And second of all, what are the sour memories? The moments of grief. And grief isn't just reserved for literal death. A lot of us need to grieve the loss of the year we thought we would have, the plans we made, the future we'd envisioned. What needs its own little descanso, as they say in Spanish? A descanso literally means rest, but the word is also used to describe those little crosses we see by the roadside where someone has died in a traffic accident. Those little crosses serve as a powerful and important psychological device. They allow us a reminder, a moment to process and note the end of something, to acknowledge what was lost. And this doesn't come from me, this idea, this concept of making our own little mental descansos came from the brilliant Clarissa Pinkola Estes. We are allowed to mourn what was lost, you guys. And not only are we allowed to, we need to. I think unprocessed grief takes an energetic toll. It's like carrying excess weight that drags us down. Have you ever seen somebody who lives out of their car and it's just like full of stuff? It's, It's like the car version of hoarders. I mean, there's no way those people know what's under those piles. They're just driving around, surrounded by them, surrounded by their own garbage. And that's us when we don't process pain. And 2020 brought pain. I don't know of anyone who didn't experience it this year. So that's the second thing. First question is, what are the sweet memories of 2020 that you never want to forget? And what are the sour moments that really deserve to be processed and owned? And lastly, what did 2020 come to teach you? Every year brings its own kind of lesson. What was the lesson of this year? Now look, this may be as far as you and I travel together right now in this episode. You've got the three questions and you may be ready to just dive in and write on and shine on you crazy diamond. But if you want to go further and are curious about how I answered these questions, stay with me. So for the first question, what were the sweet moments, you know, it was funny when I really sat down and thought about it. There were so many. It was incredible, actually, how many beautiful memories I have of this year, despite how awful it was. But I kind of narrowed it down to these three moments. One, I will never forget what I call my miracle walk. I was taking a walk during the early days of shelter in place by myself, and the streets were literally empty. You could walk down the middle of even the busiest intersection and there was no, there were no cars and it was quiet. And as I was walking, I saw a woman walking towards me and that woman was walking a small horse on a leash or what, whatever you call a leash that belongs to a horse, a rein. I wish I knew I don't. And I was so excited and delighted and shocked when I saw this woman and her tiny horse, which turns out was like a miniature pony of some sort. I literally was struck speechless. I couldn't even talk. I was so delighted. And if I remember correctly, the horse's name was Popsicle because of course its name is Popsicle. And that memory really captured what the early days of shelter in place were like for me. I saw things I never could have imagined seeing, and I moved through my neighborhood with an appreciation for a new kind of silence that only comes when cars are off the road. So my miracle walk was one of my sweetest memories of the year. The second sweet memory I had, it's funny that some of these memories are so based on animals, but the second one, one morning I was sitting at my desk and all the windows were open and as I was typing away, I could hear the sound of water, almost like the sound of a fountain. But it was like, it wasn't a continuous water sound. It had stops and starts at steady intervals. It was just weird and enchanting. And so I got up from my desk to figure out what it was that was driving this small, beautiful sound. And I crept out quietly on my porch and I looked over the gate and there standing on the hood of my car was a black bird with a brown head. And every single time that bird opened his beak, the sound of water emerged. I was just spellbound. And I stood there staring at that bird for the longest time. And once he took off, I went back to my computer and Googled bird that makes water sounds. And it turns out that what I saw was a run-of-the-mill, very common cowbird. All my life, I have likely shared habitat with these incredible birds and never, ever heard them over the din of traffic. And in fact, this discovery led me into my newfound love of bird watching. Seriously. Super into bird watching now. So, the miracle walk, the cowbird, but hands down, this is my third and final sweet memory. The sweetest memory I have from 2020 was given to me by my family. My children just blew me away with their resilience this year. And my oldest daughter, you know, she was supposed to be living her best eighth grade life, traipsing to New York and DC with her class, graduating and attending a new high school. And instead, she was on lockdown with us but she rolled with it. And one night she planned a special activity for all of us. I think it was a Saturday night. She said, everyone, I need you to dress up tonight. We are having the first annual SAG Awards because our last name lends itself well to this name, Sally and Benny, because it's pronounced Sally and Benny, but really spelled S-A-G-L-I-M-B-E-N-I. So anyway, so Sal put on his tuxedo Luca rocked a blazer and slacks. I put on a long evening gown. Maddie threw on some gold hoops in her ears and rocked a gorgeous floral dress. And Stella, who planned this whole adventure, wore a gorgeous bright red satin dress and her lion's mane of hair sort of styled just so. We looked like the Kardashians getting ready for their Christmas photo shoot. We were fabulous. After dinner, Stella escorted us into the living room where she used Google Slides to present the nominees and winners of the SAG Awards. And I'll spare you all the details, but Sal won Best Dancer, ironically. (laughs) And I won Most Likely to Be in Bed by 8 p.m. We laughed so hard, the five of us, that night. And the whole time I just kept thinking, she did this. My daughter Stella did this for us. I had nothing to do with it. And I don't know why that moved me so much, but I think as a mother... You know, we feel the weight of everyone's needs. And when someone else steps in and plans something glorious, all we can do is sort of weep tears of appreciation and awe and gratitude. And those were my sweet moments of 2020. There were so many others, but those are the ones I do not want to forget. And so here are my sour moments. What needs to be grieved and let go of. And this is hard because so many of my darkest moments need to remain private because it's just, they're not my stories to tell, even though they affected me profoundly. But here's what I can tell you. My worst fears around scarcity of money were surface this year. There was a moment in March when I realized that my entire speaking engagement pipeline for 2020 vanished. I left February booked for the first quarter and even well into the second quarter, and I left March with not a single booking still standing. Now, remember back then, we didn't know how things would change and adapt. We just knew that everything stopped. And what this triggered in me were ancient fears around money and scarcity. I didn't exactly grow up flush with cash. I grew up watching the adults around me constantly worrying about money. In fact, when I graduated college, I would wake up every single day and say to myself, I'm going to work hard now so that one day money will no longer be an issue for me. It took me years before I began to feel financially secure and stable, but it has been a driving force in my life since I left home at 18. Get self-sufficient and never stop working. I mean, I never took even more than eight weeks off from maternity leave. Scarcity around money has haunted me forever. And the sudden disappearance of income sent me into a terror spiral. Meanwhile, my husband was like, dude, I'm here too. There are two oars in this water. You need to calm down. But I'm like, I can't. I'm terrified. This is my thing. So that moment in March really took me into a dark place in my psyche. That was painful. One of the most painful things in 2020 for me. The second low point for me is I realized just how codependent I am. Here's a definition of codependency from Melanie Beattie's famous book, Codependent No More. A codependent is a person who has let another person's behavior affect him or her and who is obsessed with controlling that person's behavior. I have always struggled with maintaining healthy emotional boundaries around people. I tend to worry and obsess over what I lovingly refer to as OPP, other people's problems, or OPM, other people's moods. But until COVID-19, it wasn't that big of a deal. Pre-COVID, my family and I would head off in our separate directions and then return home to each other in the evening, mostly in good spirits. But in 2020, we were together all the time and the moods weren't always nice. So one of my lows for 2020 was when I threw a folded wad of socks across my bedroom and told my beloved husband to fuck off. (laughs) Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Your communication coach told the man she loves more than anyone in the world to fuck off. I was frustrated and exhausted from managing his moods, the kids' moods, my moods. And I finally realized that they are allowed to have bad moods, just like I am. And it is not my job to fix them. In fact, obsessing over keeping everyone full of love and light is just another form of manipulation and gaslighting. And I refuse to be someone who manipulates or gaslights. So yeah, that wasn't an awesome thing to realize, especially given what I do for a living. Lastly, George Floyd and the racism reckoning that happened this summer, it really kicked off a a racial reckoning for me personally in earnest. Watching a, a man die on camera and watching an officer calmly Drain the life of this man was one of the most shameful, horrifying things I've ever seen. And it kicked off a reckoning nationally and also personally. I bought Layla F. Saad's book, Me and White Supremacy, and I got very honest with myself about how much of my success is tethered to the fact that I'm white. Doors fly open for me. People far more talented and skilled than I am don't even make it into the room because of the color of their skin. And once I realized that, then I needed to begin to work out how to be a part of the solution. And if you want to hear more about that, I did a whole podcast episode on this called My Bruce Willis Moment. So I would recommend giving that a listen. But the whole process was incredibly necessary and important, but not pleasant. It was painful. It was shame-inducing. It was sickening. And it was absolutely the most, the low point of my 2020. So those are the biggest lows that I can share publicly. And of course, there are an alarming number of lows that I can't share, but I speak for all of us when I say that. Some of our lows are for public consumption and some of them are not, and that's okay. And this leads me to my last question. What did 2020 come to teach you? Well, let me tell you what it came to teach me. One time I was flying home from a really tough trip. This was years ago, actually. And I had... Oh, I'd made the best of a really bad situation with a client, but it really took a toll on me. I felt battered and I felt bruised, but I felt proud that I'd done my best. And I called my dad from the airport and I told him all about it because my dad was the, the absolute guy you wanted to call in a moment like that. And he said, well, honey, you learned something today. And I said, oh yeah, dad, what's that? He said, you learned you could hit a curveball. That is what I learned in 2020 that I can hit a goddamn curveball, Because you know what? I had to reinvent my business this year. I built a powerful set of virtual keynotes that I've been giving to audiences literally around the world in every time zone since June. I launched my first ever workshop, which was powerful and helpful to those who attended. And I had twice the number of people show up that I had hoped for. I hired incredible people to help me reinvent myself this year, one of whom you'll hear from later this month. And I kept my head down and I did the goddamn work. And I'm proud of what I accomplished this year. I hit the shit out of a curveball. And I, the reason I get choked up is I, I wish my dad were here to, to hear that. But he can I know he can hear that. So that's the first thing. The second thing I learned this year is that, God, am I just going to like cry my way through this episode? Maybe. And it's my podcast. I can cry if I want to, Okay. The second thing I learned this year is that I have the absolute greatest partner of all time, Sal, and the three greatest, greatest children I could ever have even dared to hope for. My husband and I could not be more different. I'm a magical unicorn who likes to lounge and read books and ask deep, deep questions. And Sal is more like a Japanese bullet train heading toward his destination at top speeds. We experienced some real lows together as a couple. I know there were times that I behaved badly, times he behaved badly. But I will tell you, there is no one on earth I'd rather be with on this journey than Sal. So Sal, if you're listening, I love you. You're an incredible dad. You're an incredible friend. And you're an incredible human being. And to my three kids, you fill me with so much pride. You surprise me with your creativity and your humor and your kindness. And you drive me nuts. And it is the privilege of this lifetime and any others I may have lived to be your mother. Nothing I ever make or accomplish or do will come close to how I feel about having brought you three people into this world. So that's that. <laughs> Lastly, I learned in 2020 that I can pretty much survive anything as long as I have my two best friends in my orbit, Aaron Kennedy and Naomi Myers. I've known these two birds for nearly 20 years. And in 2020, I went four months without seeing them, which has never happened. And it was pretty awful. We spoke on the phone, of course, over FaceTime, but we didn't see each other for four long months. And when we reunited, it was bliss. But even when I didn't see them, just knowing that they exist, just knowing that they have my back and that they love me and celebrate me and all of my weirdness makes me feel strong. It makes me feel brave. And it makes me feel like the whole world could burn. And as long as I have their friendship and the love of my family, I can survive it. Listen, would I have liked to have learned all these glorious lessons under better circumstances? Yeah. I mean, listen, I think we all would have loved to have learned our lessons sipping pina coladas on a nice beach somewhere. But that's not what happened. The waiter brought us shit sandwiches, even though we ordered the ribeye. I mean, what can you do? But here's how I'm choosing to see it. Recently, my mom texted me on a Sunday and asked, every time she calls me or texts me, she says, hi, Bug, it's mom. She's been calling me Bug since birth. And Now I call my children Bug as well. So my mom texted, hi, Bug, how's it going? And I texted back, good, I'm working, but it's a Sunday, such as the life of the solopreneur. And she texted me back four words that made no sense. She texted, pig dead, soldier on. And later when I was walking the dog, I called her and I said, am I supposed to know what that means? And she explained that the phrase pig dead, soldier on, came from my grandmother. Apparently back in the day, there was an Irish soldier fighting in World War I for the British. And he was miserable and terrified and hungry. And he rode home to his father. And it turns out he just couldn't do it anymore. He's like, fighting for the British is just too bitter a pill for me to swallow. Dad, sell the pig and buy me out. And so he, in return, a few weeks later, gets a telegram back from his father. And the telegram has four words, pig dead, soldier on. My mom said, if that isn't perfect for 2020, I don't know what is. Amen, mom. (laughs) Amen. We really don't know what 2021 will bring. All we can do is our best every time we are given the gift of a new day. And don't worry, my next episode in, in January will be an opportunity for us to dreamscape and think about the coming year from a place of possibility. But here's what I know for sure. We had some garbage to take out. We had some tidying to do. We had to reckon with 2020. So may your holiday season be blessed with goodness and gratitude and humor. Because at this point, all we can do is laugh and take another swing at it. In other words, pig dead, soldier on. Shine on you crazy diamonds. And I'll see you next time.